0: If you saw me up here where it looked like I was chasing flies with my eyes, it's only because uh, this week we had some speakers blow out, and Josh Wiss, our production manager, has done a phenomenal job uh, doing a short-term remedy for that. It's not a long-term solution. But yeah, you guys can give our production manager a hand. Um, Yeah, so in fact, here in several weeks, we're probably going to be bringing to you Some of the capital campaign things that we're going to be raising more significant funds for in terms of both repair and improvement and expansion here to the house. But uh, for those of you who may not have had a great audio experience this morning, I just wanted you to know that there was a problem. There is a short-term remedy and there will be a long-term really, really good solution. So Josh, thanks so much for that. Thanks for making that happen. while we were in worship, man, there just seemed to be like this theme that was going through worship that, that left my heart feeling really overwhelmed again and afresh and anew by the fact that God saved me. And how many of you in worship, particularly, you know, up from the waters and thinking about these rich words around the fact that God saved us, like like, praise the Savior, we have been redeemed, we're born again. Like, please let me encourage you this morning, church, to never lose the wonder and to never lose the appreciation and to never lose the overwhelming gratitude of the fact that, that you've been born again. Amen. That our lives were once covered in darkness and that God came with his marvelous light and hunted us down with his goodness and overwhelmed us with his love and redeemed us and forgave us and washed us clean. So, man, my heartfelt appeal this morning is when we're in a place of worship, like let that go real, real deep and respond. You know, worship is very simply the response of our revelation of who God is. And worship, if you want greater, deeper, more intense worship, The solution to that is greater, deeper, more intense revelation of who God is. Like think deeply about what God has done for you. And what will happen is, is something will click. Something will get unlocked. And you will find yourself responding. Like David said, hey listen, I'm going to get more undignified than this. And part of that is because David was like, I have spent so much time in the secret place alone looking at who God is, thinking about what God has done for me, thinking about the wonders of his marvelous love, that what you're seeing is a reflection of my revelation of what God has done. So I just want to encourage you in that place of worship, both personally and collectively, man, go there. Let God take you into those deep places of worship. All right, next thing I want to say is this Wednesday night is a phenomenal opportunity for us to raise the water level of worship in this house. And so I wanna encourage every single one of you to prioritize this Wednesday night, come out with us. If you're new to the Lord and you're like, I'm not really sure what this is all about, this is perfect for you. Because this is an environment that is unhurried. It is an environment that is less restricted and less restrictive. It's an environment where we're just going to kinda go a little bit deeper into the waters of worship and prayer. If you're somebody who has been with God for a really, really long time, and you find yourself saying, man, Sunday mornings are great, but I want, I want a little bit more. Wednesday night's going to be perfect for you. I'm going to be tapping on the shoulder of several seasoned people that are in the house, people that I know that carry a spirit of, of prayer and intercession. You guys can be looking for that tap on the shoulder this, this coming week. And I'm going to be asking you to help me carry the prayer burden For Wednesday night. I feel like there's some assignments that were to hit in the place of intercession on Wednesday. So we're going to be marrying worship and intercession. And I encourage all of you guys to come out and let's jump into the waters together. Amen. Okay. Happy Father's Day to all of you. We're so glad you guys are in the house. I felt that I had a a quick word in the place of worship that I wanted to share with you Uh, very quickly. It's more a word of maybe exhortation as opposed to a nice, sweet, encouraging, kind word. It's a, it's a little bit of a challenge, but it's a gracious and kind challenge. And I believe it's a challenge from the Lord. If you have your Bibles, this is fresh. If you can't get it on the screen, it's okay. But I want, I want you to look with me very quickly at the book of Luke, chapter one. Luke chapter one. And the backstory to this very simply is that there is a priest by the name of Zechariah. Most of us hear this story around the time of Christmas. Zachariah is wife Elizabeth are old in age and an angel shows up in the place of prayer and says to Zechariah I'm going to give you a child. Zechariah doesn't believe it. He's struck with muteness. There's a lot of implications and there's a lot of significance as to why that is. Uh, I'll tell you more about that around Christmas time. <laughs> Zechariah's son is born and his son is a very very significant figure in what God is doing in the earth with Jesus. And when his son is born, God looses and opens the mouth of his father, Zechariah, and he begins to prophesy. And this is what he says right here, beginning in Luke chapter 1, verse 67. The scripture says, his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he prophesied. And he said, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Skip on down, if you would, to me at verse 76. And he says, And you, my child, or you can say, and you, my son, will be called a prophet on the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. What I find that is so striking right here is that Zechariah is filled with the Holy Spirit, and he begins to speak divinely uttered words over his son. And that's what I want to say to you, and this applies to moms, this applies to spiritual moms and dads, this applies to leaders, this applies to believers in every field, but I want to, I want to, I want to lean in very tightly right now to biological dads and granddads. You can never underestimate the power of your voice over your children. One of the most important and weighty and authoritative and significant voices in their lives in shaping their identity and their value and their esteem and their strength is the voice that comes out of your mouth. Divinely inspired words that you get from the presence of God and that you get from the word of God where you pull your son or your daughter in tight and you look deep into their eyes, and you lay your hands on them, and you speak a word of strength and identity, I'm here to tell you today that that right there is one of the greatest weapons in the hands of your children against the forces of hell. And And so moms and dads, and particularly dads, I implore you today, I implore you today for the sake of the next generation, and it's never too late, I know some of you are like, well, I didn't do that when they were young and I've, you know, I've lost my voice in their lives. Obtain that place of authority in the place of the Spirit. Like, just dig a little bit deeper. Don't give up. Don't don't just abandon and relinquish your place and your authority because you've made some mistakes. Like, go back in, let God redeem some things, and keep speaking prophetic words of life and destiny over your children. The next generation needs it. The culture needs it. So friends, don't abandon your post. Amen. Happy Father's Day. Okay, let's go. Let's go to Psalm 121. I've got a word for you today that I I believe is going to be a word of encouragement. It's going to be a word of strength. It's going to be a word of help. And I want to turn us today to Psalm 121. Beginning in verse 1. The scripture says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. He is the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. This is the word of the Lord, friends. Holy Spirit of the living God, we invite you into this place. We know that you're already here, but we invite the ministry. We invite the ministry of illumination. We invite the ministry of inspiration. Holy Spirit, we invite the ministry of comfort, we invite the ministry of conviction, we invite the ministry of teaching that comes from the Holy Spirit. We ask that you would guide my words and that you would guide our hearts into truth today. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen. I came, I came to this real eye-opening revelation last week. In fact, just to be very frank and to be very honest, last week I was speaking at our East Congregation And I ended up speaking this word. They're doing a series in the book of Psalms, and I was assigned this psalm, Psalm 121. And to be real honest with you, I labored all week long because we opened up a series that has us in the path of the book of Acts. And there's a specific place that I want to get to in the book of Acts. And all week long, I was tinkering and working that through. And so let me give you a preview of what's coming, because this is actually kind of a part A to what's coming in three weeks. where I want to get us is to the place where we can partner with the power of the Holy Spirit for everyday life. The context of that very simply is, as I survey the body of Christ, and that's both locally here at Midtown, and that's also in other spaces that I interact with, one of my observations is, is that increasingly it seems that Christians, we find ourselves, I think, a little little anemic. We find ourselves a little overwhelmed. And I'm increasingly finding Christians who are ill-equipped and unable, or maybe just not knowledgeable, ignorant, on how to live a strong, robust, powerful Christian life in this season of history against all of the forces, internal and external, natural and spiritual, that seem to be coming against us. And so my burden, very simply, is to teach us, by the power of the Spirit and in the Scriptures, how to live in the power of the Holy Spirit for everyday life. Like there is a way to live the Christian life that regardless of the strength of the opposition that comes against us, And it's not just willpower and it's not just pulling up our bootstraps. There is a way to live in an inexhaustible resource of the power of the Holy Spirit for everyday living. For the way that we think, the way that we speak, the way that we wash the dishes, the way that we handle disputes at work, the way that we handle false allegations against our character, the way that we fight against temptations towards sin, you name it, there is a way to live in that place every single day. I'm convinced of it. And I'm after that. It's a burden of mine. And as I just kept kind of leaning into that, what I realized was that this message today is a precursor to that. It's a step towards that reality. And between you and me, I didn't want to preach this because I don't like preaching the same message twice. But this word, I think, is a foundational word that helps us get into that place where we can live in the power of the Holy Spirit every single day. And the target on the wall is really simple. For us to live in the power of the Holy Spirit, we have to understand that we are people that need help Mm -hmm. and that God is the help of our lives. Super simple. And I realized last week it actually happened between first service and second service. I didn't really like the way the message came out in the first service. I was sitting at the chair, and I was, I was kind of receiving some fresh insight and some fresh inspiration right there. So I started redoing my notes, and it was almost as if the Lord showed me something that had formed my life in my college years. There were three types of people that formed my life. The first type of person was the exhausted person. I didn't realize this, but in college, I would interface with people and you would ask them how they're doing and their response inevitably every single time was, I'm exhausted, I'm exhausted, I was like, you're ridiculous. I came to a place over the course of the past 25 years where I I just have disdained the word exhausted, just felt so dramatic, so theatrical, right? I'm like, listen, exhausted is reserved for people who bore twins and Navy SEALs. That's it. That's it, right? And probably, you know, the more that I think about it during COVID, first responders and teachers, you're allowed to say you're exhausted. Everybody else, just say you're tired, for goodness sake, okay? It's funny. It's become that thing now around the Duncan house. Like, the kids aren't even allowed to say, hey, how are you doing? I'm like, I'm just a little tired, Dad. I'm just... Just a little tired, you know. Good, good job. Be tired. You're fine. You're allowed to be tired. The second type of person that shaped and formed my life was the person who was busy. I'm so busy. We're talking about 18 and 19-year-old kids, not married, no kids, right? Taking like nine credit hours, not volunteering, not going to a local church, maybe working part-time, and they're so busy. And I was like, ugh, like the identity that people form around this notion of being busy. Hey, how are you? Who are you? I'm busy. It's like, ugh, I don't like that. I don't like you. <laughs> Just kidding. I love you. I don't like that about you. I'm exhausted. I'm busy. And then the third type of person that I interacted with was the person who was always overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. I'm over. I'm so overwhelmed. And again, remember, you're talking about an 18-year-old kid dealing with other 18-year-old kids, and the types of people that I were interact with are the people that were exhausted and busy and overwhelmed. And I just, what happened was, is that I created this this real, ugly, insidious disdain for those things that inevitably, unbeknownst to me, that created a source of pride in my own life, which created inside of me an inability to recognize and to accept my own limits. What that fleshed out in my life in the course of me going to college and being newly married was that I would always push the limits, right. that I would say yes to things that I shouldn't have said yes to, that, man, if somebody, if somebody couldn't handle 12 credit hours, man, I was doing 23. If someone wasn't volunteering at church, I would volunteer overtime. If there was ever a need, I would always say yes, and I took a real ugly sense of pride in all of that. And friends, don't ever ask me if I was tired, because I would never tell you if I was. Over the course of the earlier years of our marriage, what we began to identify was that this was really, really unhealthy. You know, there are two types of sin. Fundamentally, when the enemy comes to Adam and Eve in the garden, there is two types of sin that are fundamental to the human experience. The first is this: It's the sin of independence. It's the sin of self-sufficiency. Like I want you to think about this. For those of you who are familiar with the God story, the enemy, our enemy, our cosmic villain, comes to the first man and the first woman and says this, "Hey, if you violate the command of God, then you will be like God." What is that? It's the temptation of being sufficient. Overly sufficient, -sufficient, self-sufficient, self-reliant. I can't depend on anybody else. I'll be like God. Therefore, I will not need anyone else. It's the sin of self-sufficiency. It's the waters that we drink and it's the air that we breathe in this hour of history. The other sin is the sin of idolatry. Let me break it down for you like this. The first sin says... You can be complete in yourself. The other sin says, worship other things that can make you complete or worship the wrong things. It's the sin of idolatry. It's the sin of materialism. It's the sin of promotion. It's the sin of success. It's the sin of health and wealth and happiness. Worship at the, at the, at the altar of these things to bring you a sense of, of strength, to bring your sense of help. So either be overly sufficient so that you don't need any help or worship the wrong things for the wrong kind of help. Right? This is fundamental to the human experience. As you read through different theologians who write about our anthropology, which very simply is the study of our humanity, the study of mankind, the study of our existence, you will find this... That to be human is to have limitations. That's right. To be human is to be finite. Mm-hmm. It means that we're limited. We're limited in our physical ability. We're limited in strength. We're limited in power. We're limited in time. We're limited in where we can be at any given moment. We're limited on our talents and our abilities, our mental capacity. Every single one of us in this room have limitations. Now, in God, I believe that we can learn how to press up against those limitations. I believe that we can learn how to expand those limitations, and we're gonna be talking about that in the next few weeks. But just fundamentally, we have to understand that the human experience is a limited experience, and here's why. Because there is only one that is infinite, There is only one entity that is without limitation, and that's God. The great theological writer A.W. Tozer in his book, The Knowledge of the Holy, has an entire chapter where he talks about the infinitude of God. The infinitude of God means that in every God quality, he is infinite. He's infinite in his love. His love knows no limitation, no bounds, no boundaries, his power knows no limitation. This is why the writer in Psalm 121 says that the God who does not slumber nor sleep. Why? He doesn't need sleep. Sleep is designed to rejuvenate and restore human beings who need to be restored because we are limited creatures. The sooner that we can learn how to accept and acknowledge our limitations, embrace our limitations, and God press against those limitations, but not despise our limitations, the sooner we will learn the secret to tapping into the power of God in those limitations. Like, if you don't acknowledge or accept the fact that you have limitations, you'll never ask God to help you in those limitations. You'll continually live in a place of being deceived by the notion that you don't have limitations. And that very place of deception will be your greatest limitation. Look with me at Psalm 69. The psalmist understands this and he very aptly, he very competently and adequately describes the human condition with this psalm, beginning in verse 1. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. You ever felt like that in life? This is the feeling of being overwhelmed. And what I am learning is, is in this hour of history, for a whole host of reasons, part of which is that we don't understand our identity in Christ, part of which is because we don't understand the resources that are available to us in Christ, part of this is because we are over-inundated with technology, right? Part of this is because of the cultural pressure and strain to become successful, to become something we were never meant to be outside of God. There are so many factors that contribute to this very real sense of feeling overwhelmed. So what I want to do right now is I want to to validate that feeling of being overwhelmed. And when we live outside of our margin and when we live outside of the help of God, there is no way for us not to feel overwhelmed. Save me, O God. For the waters have come up to my neck, and I sink in the miry depths where there is no foothold. I have come into the deep waters, and the floods engulf me, and I am worn out calling for help. My throat is parched, my eyes fail, looking for God. Those who hate me without reason outnumber the hairs of my head. Many are my enemies without cause. Those who seek to destroy me and I'm forced to restore what I did not steal. What, what a beautiful, what an accurate, what a poetic way of describing what many of us have walked through at some season in the past three years. We feel overwhelmed, we feel exhausted, we feel busy, we feel up to our neck, we feel like we can't get our footing, we feel like we're taking two steps forward and three steps back, we feel like we have enemies without cause, and we feel like we always have to do the right thing even when it hurts us. Friends, that's part of the human experience. Yeah, that's right. So I wanna get really, really practical in the next few minutes. I mean, like super practical. What do we do in this in seasons of our life where we feel like life is too much for us. Number one, we very simply have to acknowledge the fact that we need help. Like going back to Psalm 121, we don't have to put this on the screen, but remember, Psalm 121, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. And then he asks asks himself this, where does my help come from? In that rhetorical question, the psalmist is acknowledging the fact that, that I need help. There is no way for me to live the human experience without the help of God in a way that will be fruitful for my life or the people that are around me. That's right. And so for those of you this morning who may have a little bit of a hard time asking for help, acknowledging the fact that you need help, what I want to encourage you through this caricature is don't be this guy. You know the person who's like struggling to carry stuff, you know, like you're moving something, and you like, you got boxes or you're like carrying this big, huge huge I, I had a friend of mine one time. He was, he, was, he was like moving a fridge. And I came up and I was like, bro, let me help." He's like, "No no, I got this I got it. The veins are just popping, like like you know about to throw his back. He's, like, "I got it. I got this on." I'm like, bro, like I just want to help. I just need help. Don't be that person." who you can tell, like everyone around you can tell that you're struggling and you're about to throw everything out of whack and you're just like, no, I got that, I don't need help. It's okay to say that you need help. And friends, listen, at the end of the day, let's just call a spade a spade. That's just flat out pride and ego and arrogance. And if you don't come to a place quickly, where you can acknowledge and accept the fact that there are places in your life, in your marriage, in your finances, in your thinking that need help. God will simply allow the weight and the pressure of life to keep just squeezing down upon you. He's really good at this until you come to the place where you say, I'm broke. I need help. I need help. So like this is the easy part. In fact, why don't we just all practice this together as a big family? Just open up your hands just like this and say, God, I need help. Help me. Help me. All right, number two, this is very, very simple. What I want you to learn how to do is I want you to learn how to stop and actually see your need. Learn how to stop and see your need. And what I want you to think about here is I want you to think about the fact that like a dashboard on a car, that every single one of us have gauges that let us know where we're at. Every single one of us. My Sequoia right now has this funky thing that's going on with it where the, 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 the analog gas gauge is not in alignment with the digital reading, mm-hmm. right? And so I'll fill up the gas tank and I'll drive away and the digital reading will say that I'm on empty and that I've got zero miles left until I need to refill and the analog will say, like, you're full, and then the next day I'll get in the car and crank it up, and then they'll reverse. So the analog meter will be all the way down at E, and then the digital reader will say, oh, you're fine, you've got 300 miles left. And then there'll be days where they'll both be in alignment, but it'll be inaccurate. I'm just like, good God, what do, what do I do here? Don't worry, guys, I'm, I'm getting it fixed. But those are my gauges. Those gauges are designed to tell me where I'm at. They're designed to tell me the status of the vehicle that I'm going in so that I can make accurate and appropriate decisions relative to where my gauges are at. And every single one of us have gauges. Let me show you some of mine. Number one, I know where I'm at by what comes out of my mouth. That's right. The scriptures say that out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth will speak. I say it like this, your heart and your mouth will betray you. And here are ways that my mouth betrays me. My mouth betrays me when I get sharp, when I get critical. My mouth betrays me when I start talking about other people, when I get a little slanderous. My my mouth betrays me that when I walk into a room and I feel like I'm doing fine, I feel like all my gauges are running well, and then just the, the slightest thing sets me off, and I find that I go into attack mode unnecessarily, that I get snippy, You know what that is? That's a gauge. Pay attention, friends, listen to me. Pay attention to what's coming out of your mouth. If poison is coming out of your mouth, there is a source of that poison, and it's your heart. This is grace. It's mercy. You find yourself like... um, Always seeing and always calling out the and people that are around you and realize that there are different people that represent different things in your life. Maybe it's a leader. Maybe it's always a leader. Maybe it's always a spiritual leader. Maybe it's always men. Maybe it's always women. Maybe, wh- wh- who knows? But there, different people represent different people in your life. And what it might be is it might be a thread that goes all the way back to the fact that you haven't forgiven a person in authority way back when in your life. Your mouth will reveal what's in your heart. Here's another part of my gauge. It's my attitude. Is my attitude high? Is my attitude low? Is my, is my attitude positive? Is it energetic? Is it optimistic? Is it, is it defeatist? Your attitude is one of your gauges. Here's another one of your gauges, very simply just your energy level. Your energy level is a very, very practical gauge in your life. Last week, and man, I struggle saying these things, but it's really, really good and healthy for me. At least my wife says so. She knows best. <laughs> Fr- yeah, exactly. Friday afternoon, I came home, and man, I was, I was doing great. Just came home after, a, it was a wedding rehearsal, walked in the door. Chrissy wasn't home and I found and I just I got really really edgy out of nowhere and then I kind of threw myself into this spiral where it was like this self-condemning self condemnation spiral you know what you know what I'm talking about how many of you gotten so frustrated at yourself over the fact that you didn't respond the way that you wanted to respond okay it's just me it's fine it's my own deal um, you guys can be my collective therapy this morning but I just—I found myself spiraling mentally. And this is another thing, too. You, what you think about in your mind is a gauge. Like when your mind immediately or initially or easily just lingers on the negative. That is a gauge. Pay attention to what's running around in your head. If it's constantly condemning yourself or it's constantly condemning others or it's constantly not giving people the benefit of the doubt but looking for the negative and assuming the worst, that is a gauge to let you know where your heart's at. So I sat in my room, Christy came home, we were supposed to have a family night and I'm just sitting in my room and I'm just being pulled down and then I'm I'm getting mad at me that I can't pull myself out. Finally, thankfully, I was able to re-engage with the family. We had a wonderful night. But the next morning, I was thinking, okay, I'm just tired. I need a good night's sleep. Woke up the next morning early to spend time with the Lord, and it was like that 20-pound weight on my chest, 20-ton, 20 20 20-ton 20 weight on my chest. It's like, crud, it's still here. It's still in me. It's still on me. And so I just found myself saying, God, I, I don't know what's going on. I'm not operating on all cylinders my mind, my attitude, my emotion, something's wrong, show me. Show me where I'm at, locate me. Help me find out where I'm at. And then a moment, and oh, this really bothers me. In a, real, in a moment, the Lord just said, son, you're tired. And he just kind of like, in a flash of a moment, the past three months, from the moment we heard about the potential joining of these churches to all of the energy, all the momentum, all of the pace, all the load, that has taken place, and then specifically over the course of two weeks, he showed me that in two weeks' time, while I was getting time with the Lord, my time with God was not sufficient for the output that I was giving out to people. That's right. And it was just like, "Hey, take a nap, sit down, and like re- rearrange and reprioritize and get alone." That for me, get alone. But friends, listen, that came from paying attention to my gauges, my levels. What happens is a lot of us, we ignore our levels. We ignore what's coming out of our mouth. We ignore what's going on in our mind. We ignore what's being stirred up in our heart and our attitude. We ignore the fact that we're tired. And you know what happens is we come to a breaking point. That's where things break down. We move out of natural preventive maintenance mode and then we have engines breaking and then we have bodies breaking down. We have souls and minds and relationships breaking down. And it requires more time and more energy and more money to recoup and to recover than if we would have just been paying attention to those gauges all along the way and doing good natural maintenance to keep our body, soul, and spirit operating in fullness. I'm going to give you a practical word today. All right, here's the next point: acknowledge that you need help. Stop and pay attention to your gauges, see your need, and then this one—this one is as practical as they come. Learn how to take inventory. Learn how to take inventory. Learn how to cast your cares. Notice that. Can we just look at Psalm 121 again? There's a couple of things that the psalmist says here in Psalm 121 that is an example of him taking inventory of his internal and external weights and burdens and pressures. Psalm 121, look at verse three. God will not let my foot slip. That's a care and a concern. He who watches over me will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade or your protective covering at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night one real fun little tidbit of information here you might go pastor jade how does the how does the how does the moon hurt us by night well in the ancient day people pagans believed that the word lunar comes from the word lunacy or lunacy comes from the word lunar and there was this association with the moon and there was this belief that overexposure to the moon could cause people to go crazy or mad and when I hear that, I hear mental health. Listen listen to the psalmist. He's that My foot will not slip, and the sun will not harm me, and you're going to be my protective shade, and the moon will not harm me. And then he goes on to say that there will be no harm that comes near me. Do you know what this is? This is the psalmist taking inventory of his weights and concerns and fears and burdens. And here, super practical, when you get alone with the Lord sometime this week, I think it's good to do this daily. I think, in fact, that if you can do this daily, it relieves the pressure of you doing this weekly or monthly. But at very least, try to do this weekly, and that is take something out and write down your weights, your fears, your burdens, and your pressures. Write them down. What is making you afraid right now? Like Answer that question when you're with the Lord. Lord, what is making me afraid? That is a weight and it is a burden. It might be uh, the state of the economy. It might be the decisions that your kids are making. It, 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 might, it might be uh, things that are going on at work, right? Most of us are angry because we're afraid, yeah. yep. particularly men. Come on, men. Can we get honest with ourselves? Go, on, Most of us respond with the strength of our physical being or the strength of our words or the strength of our, the volume of our voice or the intensity of our voice because deep down, if you trace that volume and you trace that intensity and you trace that anger and you trace that counterattack, you can trace it all the way down. There's something inside of you that's afraid. That's right. It's afraid that you're not enough. It's afraid that you're not gonna be able to provide. It's afraid that that guy who's your coworker is, is, is gonna, there's some level of fear. And you've got to identify that. In fact, what I would say is this. Part of your freedom and power in God is very simply just naming the invisible things. Watch this. When you name the things that are invisible, it breaks the power that the enemy has to leverage those invisible weights and fears over your life. So naming invisible things does two things. It breaks the power of the enemy and it strengthens the power of God. Like when you name things and bring them into the light, the power of God is strengthened, the power of the enemy is weakened. So simple. The power of naming, naming. I'll never forget years ago the Lord taught me this when I was in a similar state And I felt like the Holy Spirit seriously was like, son, go grab a journal. Go grab a pen and write down every concern, big or small, big or small. God, I'm frustrated that I can't keep my room clean. Write it down. God, I'm frustrated I can't find systems to keep the house orderly. Write it down. God, I'm frustrated, like, just write it all down. And as I wrote that thing down and stepped away and looked at it, I felt like weights were just falling off of me. Do you know why? Why? because I was naming my invisible enemies, the things I was afraid of, the things I was frustrated at, my concerns, my burdens, my insecurities, my weights, all of those things, the moment I named them, it was as if God was beginning. You, God cannot bring you solutions to things that you don't give a concrete name to. That's right. God doesn't like fighting these ambiguous like spiritual mystical wars god deals with concrete specifics right. name it and try to drill down and get as specific as possible move from the superficial and the surface down to like root issues that are bothering you and concerning you look with me at 1st peter 1st peter chapter 5 verse 6 humble yourselves therefore Under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time, verse 7, and cast all of your anxiety, all of your cares, all of your burdens, all of your weights, all of your frustrations, all of your anger, all of your sadness, everything that is plaguing your mind and your soul, cast it on him. Well, how do you cast it on him if you don't know what it is? Name it. Identify it. And then cast it on him. All right, here, very, very quickly, the very end here is lift up your eyes. The beginning of Psalm 121 starts off and it says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. I lift up my eyes. Where does my help come from? Let me give you two very quick verses in Isaiah. I'm gonna call the worship ministry up. I want us to sit in this song and then we're gonna come to the table. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 26. And then we're going to jump to Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28 through 31. Lift up my eyes. Here's what I mean when I say lift up your eyes. Spend more time, once you've done everything, acknowledge the fact that you need help. Once you've paid attention to your gauges and responded. Once you've taken inventory of the things, your invisible weights and burdens and battles, then lift up your eyes. For every one of those invisible weights, there is a counterpart characteristic of God that is the solution for everything that is facing you and that you're carrying, right. right? How many of you, how many of you there's no shame, no shame in this room. How many of you are like, man, I feel burdened and I feel weak and I feel fatigued, right? You know what you need? You need a revelation of the strength of God, the strength of God. How many of you find yourself facing decisions right now, and they're not just low-level decisions, they're big decisions, and you feel the weight and the anxiety of making a right decision? Raise your hand. You know what you need? You need wisdom. You need wisdom. How many of you are dealing with things, whether they're emotionally, mentally, or physically, and you would say it's a form of sickness or illness, of disease of some sort? How many of you are facing that right now, and it's sapping energy, and it's sapping? You know what you need? You need a revelation of God as healer. How many of you are in a season of grief right now? right where you're grieving you need a revelation of God as comforter and when i say revelation all i'm saying like don't take that the wrong way what i'm saying here is is that god wants to lean into you and he wants to reveal to you he wants to make known that part of himself to you for where you're at in that season and very few things in god are immediate because god's not just interested in kind of like he's not he's not interested in magic he's interested in reinforcing your very being, your very way of life, right, to bring you into total and complete victorious wholeness and health in every part of your life. Let's lift up our eyes here together. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 26. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all of these things? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name because of his great power and mighty strength not one of them is missing what do you hear when you read that look at that lift up your eyes look to the heavens who created all of these things like it's amazing to me that the psalmist or or the prophet right here by the inspiration of God is saying if I can lift up my eyes above and beyond what happens is it's when we find ourselves attacked or we find ourselves heavy or tired or burdened or overwhelmed, our gaze goes right here, right? Our gaze goes down or our gaze goes around or our gaze goes inside of ourself. And consistently what you'll find in the scriptures is lift up your eyes, lift up your eyes. The answer to your problem is not looking deeper the answer to your problem is lifting up your eyes and getting the perspective of God on the situation that you're in. Oh, yeah. Verse 28, look with me. This one's amazing. Do you not know? New Life Midtown, do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. The Lord is the infinite God. The Lord is the limitless God. The Lord is the God who is from everlasting. He is the eternal God from everlasting to everlasting. He is the creator of the ends of the earth. He's the creator of boundaries because he's boundaryless. He's the creator of limitations because he knows no limits. I love this. He will not grow tired or weary. There is an inexhaustible supply of strength that is available for you, for your mind, for your mental health, for your well being, for your identity. Those of you who feel rejected, you feel alone, you feel like nobody understands you, there is an inexhaustible supply of clarity for you. There is an inexhaustible supply of identity for you. There is an inexhaustible supply of the love of God that will heal you. It will fill in all the cracks. It will fill in all the gaps. There is an inexhaustible supply of wisdom for every problem that you're facing right now. And here's how I know that, because he will not grow tired or weary. And his understanding, no one can fathom. Verse 29, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the week stand with me this morning as we sing the song and come to the table